Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Day number five of the UAW strike, and we could see more plants affected later this week. Meanwhile, the union launching a new video titled Corporate Greed. California busy passing pro-worker bills. We'll run them down. And today on the show, the latest from the Ohio Federation of Teachers and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 19th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Two guests on the show today, longtime supporter of America's Workforce, Melissa Cropper will be our first guest. She serves as president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers and secretary-treasurer of the Ohio AFL-CIO website for the Teachers Union, oh.aft.org. First thing we're going to talk about is organizing. And I want to tell you, the OFT has been doing a great job when it comes to organizing. We're going to zero in on the Columbus College of Art and Design faculty organizing. Now, earlier this month, an overwhelming majority, over 73% of full-time and adjunct faculty at the Columbus College of Art and Design formed their union. It's the CCAD Faculty Alliance. They're organizing for a voice in decisions that affect their work, for competitive pay and benefits so they can recruit and retain highly skilled faculty and for fairness and respect for all faculty, especially adjunct faculty who are paid less. We've done a number of shows on adjuncts. And we have seen a trend here in the last maybe 20, 30 years where very prestigious universities are hiring part-time adjunct professors and paying them less than $30,000 a year. Yeah, that's happening all across America, and it's happening in central Ohio. So we'll talk about that. By the way, since 2021, so we're looking back, what, two years? Staff at seven Ohio schools, libraries, or organizations have successfully joined the Ohio Federation of Teachers, and we're going to talk about that organizing. Also, back-to-school grants. This is courtesy of the American Federation of Teachers, the parent union. Seven OFT local unions have been awarded over $125,000 combined through the National Union's back-to-school grants. We'll run that down. And later, we're going to talk about Senate Bill 83, which is an attack on workers and higher education. We've talked about this before, and we were all hoping it would go away. Well, it's not. SB 83 is a harmful bill that will attack workers' rights and academic freedom in public colleges and universities. And since there's been widespread opposition to the bill, The sponsors have actually changed aspects of the bill in an effort to win some more support. So we'll run all that down with uh, Melissa 
as our first guest. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Jimmy Williams, Jr., who is president of the Painters and Allied Trades. And uh, as you know, we've been talking about suicide prevention. We did a whole week of it last week for Suicide Prevention Week, and the painters are one of many unions doing a lot of outreach. In fact, the painters, this is the only international union that hired a full-time director for their employee assistance program. Jimmy's going to talk about the effect of the pandemic, what it did with the painters, and the new tools that they're doing, that they're using. What goes into training, education for members to fight the stigma of mental health and all the resources that are available, and there are plenty. There are plenty. So uh, Jimmy Williams, Jr., who's been president for a couple years now, IUPAT.org, IUPAT.org. Now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. In a video posted on the UAW social media sites, President Sean Fain announced a new strike deadline for this Friday, September 22nd at noon. If Ford... General Motors or Stellantis have not made substantial progress toward a fair agreement. The UAW will call on more members to join the stand-up strike. Right now, it's just three plants. Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis all took more than a month to respond to the union's members' demands and failed to put a fair contract offer on the table. When the car company's contracts expired last Thursday, the UAW launched a stand-up strike and for the first time ever struck all three at once. Not all the plants, but just three. The stand-up strike, which is a new approach to striking, instead of striking all plants at once, select locals have been called on to stand up and walk out on strike. And they've done that. If the automakers fail to make progress in talks and bargain in good faith going forward, More locals will be called to stand up and strike. And this is what Sean Fain said. We have been available 24-7 to bargain, a deal that recognizes our members' sacrifices and contributions to these record profits. Still, the big three, well, they failed to get down to business. That's why last week, our brave union family at Wentzville Assembly, Toledo Assembly, and Final Assembly and Paint Departments at Michigan Assembly were called on to stand up and go out on strike. And that's exactly what they did. Just as importantly, all the rest of you stayed on the job. That is the only way this strategy works. We're going to keep hitting the company where we need to and when we need to, and we're not going to keep waiting around forever while they drag this out. Sean Fain goes on to say, I've been clear with the big three every step of the way, and I'm going to be crystal clear again right now. If we don't make serious progress by noon this Friday, September 22nd, more locals will be called on to stand up and join the strike. That will mark more than a week since our first members walked out, and that will mark more than a week of the big three failing to make progress in negotiations toward reaching a deal that does right by our members. Auto workers have waited long enough to make things right at the big three. We're not waiting around. We're not messing around either. So noon this Friday, that's the new deadline. Either the big three get down to business and work with us to make progress in negotiations or more locals will be called on to stand up and go out on strike. 
Between now and then, UAW members will keep organizing actions. Those on strike will remain on strike. And those on the job will keep monitoring for unilateral changes made by management, which are not allowed under an expired contract. So this is a message from Sean Fain to all the locals. Keep organizing rallies. Keep organizing red shirt days. Keep up the energy and keep showing the companies that you are ready to join the strike if necessary. This is our generation. It's our defining moment. So be ready to stand up. This is all posted in a video on the UAW's website, uaw.org. And uh, earlier yesterday, they released Corporate Greed, a new video detailing what's driving the ongoing strike at Ford, GM, and Stellantis. And it features dramatic footage from the union's rally and march in downtown Detroit last Friday when thousands of union members and supporters gathered on the first day of their strike. The video digs down into statistics showing how many UAW members were left behind as the big three funneled their extreme profits to CEOs and wealthy investors. Now listen to this. Over the last four years, profits at the big three have gone up 65%. CEO pay at the companies, up 40%. Big three spending on stock buybacks, 1,500%. Average new car prices, up 34%. Inflation, up 20%. Where do auto worker wages fit in? Up 6%. That's it. That's why. That's why they're upset right now. Fain says in the video, they pretend that the sky will fall if we get our fair share of the quarter of a trillion dollars the big three has made over the past decade. They want to say that our righteous fight for a higher quality of life for the working class would wreck the economy. Well, we're not going to wreck the economy. We're going to wreck their economy because it only works for the billionaire class. Ford, GM, and Stellantis all took more than a month to respond to the members' demands and failed to put a fair contract offer on the table. And when the car company's contracts expired, they launched the stand-up strike, which I just talked about. But this is all posted on UAW.org. And uh, they've got the public behind them. recent Gallup poll found that 75% of Americans, so three out of four Americans, back the UAW, in their talks with the big three, 19% side with the companies. That's it. Like he said, this is our time. And the Teamsters are uh, throwing their two cents in. The International Brotherhood of Teamsters, including members in the car haul industry, are standing in solidarity with the UAW to get the best contract possible. Just as the Teamsters saw at UPS record profits at any company, must result in record contracts for the workers who make those profits possible. That's Sean O'Brien, president of the Teamsters. Goes on to say, Ford, Stellantis, and GM have a choice to make about the kind of companies they want to become. Do not go down the wrong road. Do not attempt to divide or cast aside dedicated union families 
who have given their lives to building a resilient American auto industry. All UAW members deserve respect at work and dignity in retirement. They deserve strong wages in a new contract that rewards them for everything they do for the big three. You can be sure there's no division in America's labor movement today, and you are urged to remember that Teamsters do not cross picket lines. Amen to that. Wow, lots going on with the UAW, and it's covered right here on America's Workforce. Let's go to California right now. The legislature there, very busy voting on several pro-worker bills in the final days of its legislative session. Now, last week, they discussed bills that would provide unemployment benefits to workers on strike, and they would establish a $20 minimum wage for fast food workers. Now, the unemployment bill was passed by both houses of the legislature and is now being considered by Governor Newsom. A lot of this has to do with uh, the fact that we got the writers in SAG-AFTRA. They cannot get unemployment benefits in the state of California. They can in New York, and there's many in New York that are getting those benefits. In addition to those bills, the legislature passed Senate Bill 553, which would require most employers to maintain a log of incidents of workplace violence and investigations and train employees on how to report incidents and allow any employee to petition for a restraining order. Although early versions of the bill also included a provision prohibiting employers from requiring untrained employees to confront active shooters or suspected shoplifters, now that provision was removed. Also, the legislature passed Assembly Bill 1356, which would require that employers give employees 75 days notice before any mass layoffs. Now, under current law in California, employers must give employees 60 days notice before mass layoffs. And uh, one company called the X Corporation is currently facing Litigation alleging that it failed to provide adequate notice of its layoffs in the past year. That might be Twitter, don't you think? Other bills passed by California's legislature include SB 616, which would require employers to provide employees with five days of sick leave. Now, California law currently requires just three days. And then there's Senate Bill 403, which would prohibit discrimination against employees based on their caste. Lots happening in the state of California. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Melissa Cropper, president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW dot O-R-G. 
There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. All the shows are posted there. And remember this, if you like a show, please share that show. We count the downloads, and we are smoking here at America's Workforce. I keep saying it was about maybe eight or nine months ago. We were in the top 15% of all podcasts in the world, and now we're closing in on the top 1%. We actually are in the top 1%. There's 2 million podcasts right now that are airing throughout the world, and we are in the top between eight and 10,000. So that puts us in around the top 1%. AWFpodcast.com. Definitely support America's workforce, and we're growing the show every day. Let's go to Washington right now. And joining us is one of our longtime supporters, and that would be Melissa Cropper on behalf of the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org. And she is in Washington today for very good reason. As you know, there's a lot of organizing going on, and the American Federation of Teachers is one of many unions leading the pack. Melissa, welcome back to the show. Talk to me about what's going on in Washington today. Go ahead. Hello. Well, it's great to be here. I'm here with AFT's organizing committee. And, you know, we get together uh, regularly about twice a year to talk about, you know, organizing wins, um, strategies, you know, updating our techniques and, and those kind of things. So it's real exciting to be here today. I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone's doing across the country and sharing our success stories in Ohio. Now, is this something they do on a regular basis or you know, annually, semi-annually? I, I mean, I know there's a lot of organizing right now. I'm sure they're going to celebrate that very fact. But uh, what, what, how often do they do this kind of thing? Sure. Well, we try to meet as a committee at least twice a year. Uh, this is our second meeting this year to talk about what's going on. And then, of course, we keep in touch through email throughout the rest of the year also. I see. Okay. Well, speaking of organizing... Once again, you're doing a pretty good job in the state of Ohio. I was reading earlier about the Columbus College of Art and Design faculty organizing, and uh, this involves a lot of adjuncts who are treated so poorly. Uh, My gosh, the pay has been ridiculous over the years. So why don't you tell us what's going on? Yes, really, really excited about uh, about this one, the Columbus College of Art and Design. First of all, they're just a, a great group of people. They've been very motivated throughout this whole campaign. And, of course, they're so creative because they work at the College of Art and Design. So it's been a, 
a fun but hard campaign. Uh, what makes this unique for us is that, you know, in the public sector, which we are primarily public sector, adjuncts don't have bargaining rights in Ohio. Uh, but private sector, you know, we can we can organize them and give them the rights. So this will be the first time that we've ever organized adjuncts, and we're looking forward to working with them and giving them you know, better working conditions. So uh, they just filed for their election last week. Uh, we're asking people to take action and push the college to to uh, declare neutrality, which you know probably won't happen. But we're going to push them to do that anyway. And regardless, we're looking forward to getting a great contract there. Yeah, I saw that in the uh, press release. They can choose to voluntarily recognize the union as right, right. as many nonprofits and educational institutions have done. But but you don't see that happening. I, I could tell. I mean, no, you're, you're cutting right to the chase here. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> we can, like I said, we push we push for the voluntary recognition. We don't get voluntary recognition. We ask for at least. Neutrality, but I was we've seen their other campaigns. For some reason, administration always wants to to fight it, which is which is really unfortunate because you know, when we file for an election, when we filed for we filed for an election. There were seventy three percent of the people signing cards saying they wanted the union. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, again, administration could choose to start things off on good footing, recognize that an overwhelming majority of their of their employees want a union. So allow them to have that union and get right to the bargaining table. Um, but instead, they, they want to fight it. Uh, we always win these elections. So it's futile for them to fight it, but we'll win the election. But in the meantime, it, it, it kind of gets negotiations off on uh, a little bit sour note because of the adversarial nature that administration decides to take. Sure. And they've seen it how effective that can be at, at various union drives. I, I get it. Let, let's talk about uh, the conditions there. Two out of three mm-hmm. faculty members are adjuncts with no benefits, no contracts, mm-hmm. longer than a semester, and no voice. So this has been going on for quite some time, I take it? Yeah, yeah, they've been around for quite a while. They, yeah, they've um they they've talked about organizing for years with with different unions and again you know ad, adjuncts it's a little bit difficult in Ohio because there are not any good models existing in Ohio since in the public sector they don't have bargaining rights uh but yes i mean they, they just they're tired of like you said not having a contract for longer than a semester i mean that's a hard way to 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 uh, live out your work life right um mm-hmm. not having benefits and again, the overwhelming majority of the faculty there at the college is adjuncts. So for, in order for the college to be successful, to attract and retain students, to be able to give them a good education, they're dependent upon these adjuncts. So it's only fair that they you know, provide them with good working conditions and give them a voice in what their workplace looks like. And we should point out that the students, they're the ones that interact with the adjunct faculty more than more than anyone else there. So it's important Absolutely. that they're, that they're taken care right. of. I don't understand the fact that they don't have bargaining rights in, in the public sector. Has that been the case for a long time in the state of mm-hmm. Ohio? That's Ohio law, unfortunately. Yes, that is Ohio law. And again, it's very unfortunate that a lot of these colleges and universities uh, can take advantage of that. Um, they like to hire a high percentage of adjuncts. And again, they have no responsibility through a union contract to those uh, adjunct employees because uh, for some reason, 
um, Ohio denies adjuncts bargaining rights. And that's something you know we've, we've tried to change over the years, but because we've been a legislative minority, we've never been able to get that off the ground. Yeah. Um, but again, nothing can stop that in the private sector, though. So I'm glad that I'm glad we've had the opportunity to work with CCAD and hopefully, well, not hopefully, we will win this election. I'm confident that we'll win this election. And then we'll work on getting a good chunk contract that we can use for as a model for other private sector places across the state. And we'll continue to fight for bargaining rights for, uh, for public sector also. Melissa, do you have any numbers on what the adjuncts are making there? Because I've heard some horror stories over a year on, on the pay for adjuncts. Yeah, I do not have numbers for that in front of me. I apologize, but it, it is it's low. And again, it is uh, semester to semester. So it's not just that it's low pay, but it's no guarantee of having a job the following semester. And it's also not having any benefits to go with them. Right, right. My guess it's under thirty grand a year because that seems to be the oh, yes. normal. Oh yes, oh yes, yep, yep. And yep. again, it depends on. Oftentimes, they're paid by the number of classes that they teach, so they're not guaranteed a certain number of courses either. Um, so again, it's gonna it's gonna vary from adjunct to adjunct. But yes, there's not many that make more than thirty thousand a year. For one, they can't get the courses, and the courses they do get are low paid. Well, Melissa, the OFT has been on a roll here in the last couple of years, and I see in the last two years since 2021, staff at seven Ohio schools, libraries, and organizations have successfully joined your union. Can you speak to that? I mean, there's obviously <laughs> there's good things happening in the state of Ohio, despite what's going on in the legislature. Can you uh, can you talk about can you talk what, about what? that? It's partially because of what's going on in the legislature that we're able to be successful. So I'll add that, you know, we're talking about um, CCAD right now, but we also have another campaign, another election going on at Pickerington Library right now. I think we probably talked about that last month. But they, they just filed for elections. We have two elections going on right now in addition to the ones you talked about. But I would say that there are, I'm going to point to three things that I think have um, have helped this happen. Uh, one, covid uh, during COVID, uh, people just got a new perspective on what work-life balance is and decided they wanted working conditions to be different. And people who weren't in unions looked around and saw that people who were in unions were able to get a lot of protections and a lot of accommodations that the average person wasn't able to get. So I think that raised people's awareness about what unions can do. That leads to number two, which is that unions are at all-time high favorability. Um, so there are a lot of people right now, uh, again, because of the, what they've seen unions are able to do, have decided that, yeah, unions unions really are beneficial to the workers. It's unions who are getting these protections, unions who are getting good pay, unions who are getting benefits, unions who are helping us get that work-life balance. And three, like I said, you live in a crazy state like Ohio, where the legislature is is not not doing things to help the average worker who wants to take away workers' rights and who in our education sphere is trying to limit what can be said and done in a classroom, again, it, it just kind of riles workers up and to the point where they said, you know, we need a union to help us speak up and get what we need to help our students. Yep. So all those things that, you know, those COVID, bad legislatures, those are negative things in many, many ways, but we often say a bad employee is the best organizer. Uh, a bad legislature is a good organizer for us sometimes, too. There you go. 
you're poking the sleeping bear and the bear is growling right now. That's exactly <laughs> right, that's right. what's going on right now. OK, Melissa Cropper joining us on our live line today from Washington, where she's uh, at a seminar on organizing. She's president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers, OH.AFT.ORG. More to come from Melissa, especially what the Freedom Foundation is doing and also an update on SB 83. Later in the show, we're going to go to the Painters and Allied Trades and join their president, Jimmy Williams Jr. Back in a few minutes here on America's Workforce. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. FGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWaterson.com. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. When you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Let's go back to our live line. Rejoin Melissa Cropper on behalf of the Ohio Federation of Teachers, where she serves as president, oh.aft.org. Some good news here about uh, school grants. This is courtesy of the American Federation of Teachers. Melissa, what's going on here? I see a nice chunk of money being awarded. Go ahead. It's really exciting. Um, AFT, for the second year in a row, at least, uh, decided to give what they call back-to-school grants to locals across the country. The idea being that you know each each local exists in its own context, right? So instead of prescribing to our locals, this is what you need to do, AOT likes to say, you know, look at your own local, decide what it is that you need to do for your membership, for your school, for your community, and we'll give you some money to help make that happen. So um, we had seven of our locals, and really involved more than that. We, we won seven grants in, uh, in Ohio that total about $125,000. Um, to help with back-to-school activities. And those range from, you know, two of our large locals, um, Cincinnati and Toledo. I think Toledo got about 30000 Cincinnati got about 40000 
um, working on, uh, well, Toledo, Toledo is working on um, some like mental health, mental wellness stuff with the staff and students. Cincinnati working on some career tech stuff, beefing up their career tech programs. Um, really excited about up in the northeast corner of our state. We have about seven of our locals, uh, Brookfield, Jackson, Milton, up in that area of the state, who are working on helping to retain new teachers, which has been a really big problem in education. So they're focusing in on the new teachers in the area, making sure that they um, that they have help in adjusting to the, to education, making sure they understand what a union is, and just uh, helping them get acclimated and helping them. Uh, survive those first couple of years of teaching when we lose a lot of our teachers. Um, we even had our Worthington Library, which is one of our newer locals, even though they're not a school, they even got a grant to work on intellectual freedom issues. And so they're bringing in an author who has been banned, has, has had their books censored, um, to talk about what that looks like, and then um, putting on seminars for their uh, library employees to talk about how to handle challenges to intellectual freedom. So just a lot of different kinds of things happening across the state. Thanks to AFT, recognizing that we each have different issues that we need to work on. Um, so we'll, we'll, they'll fund it. And everything that we do helps make us makes not only each local stronger, but as a state union and as a national union, stronger and pulling together in the same direction. Melissa, this is kind of interesting. I am somewhat familiar with uh, with grant writing and how specific they have to be. And from this conversation with you, I get the impression that there's a little wiggle room. So what is needed in Toledo may not be needed in Cincinnati. So it's kind of crafted to the local communities. They have they have some uh, they have some wiggle room on that then, right? Yeah, and that's why you know, I'm. I really, obviously, am proud to be an AFT member, and that's one of the one of the uh, unique things about AFT is that we are what we call local autonomy union. We have our, we all have our common goals, obviously, with this understanding that power resides at a local level, and really trying to empower people at a local level to make the decisions that fit them the best. So yeah, so AOT set the parameters for the grant around it needed to have something to do with uh, member engagement, community engagement. Uh, there's a focus on career tech right now and attracting and retaining teachers. So it's just kind of those broad goals, but then um, you know, allowing that wiggle room, like you said, for locals to do things. And it, what's, really, what's really interesting, I should share this, is like we had um, a career tech center over in Vantage apply for a a grant and Randy Weingarten, our president, liked the grant so well because um, she's really interested in career tech right now that she actually doubled the amount of money that they asked for because she really wanted to focus in on the work that they're trying to do. They were so excited. I mean, just really excited. And what it makes it even more wonderful, to, in my opinion, is that a lot of times these grants go to our urban locals. Um, we have five grants that are going to really small locals or a consortium of those small locals. Like I said, the one in Northeast Ohio actually contains seven locals in and of itself. So I would say 12 of our small locals across the state receive money. And that to me is really impressive uh, because as we know, uh, a lot of times smaller places feel overlooked in the whole context of everything, not just in union work, but 
these rural areas often feel overlooked in everything that happens. So for AFT to really focus in on them and help them achieve what they want to achieve, too, is really empowering. Randy is awesome. That is so cool that that's happening. All right, yeah, let's, really. uh, let's talk about, let's go back to the legislature here. And I was reading about this earlier in the show, and it's all about Senate Bill 83, which it seemed, I thought it was kind of going away. They didn't pick it up, and now they're watering it down a little bit to make it more palatable, I guess. Why don't you explain what SB 83 is all about? Well, Senate Bill 83 is what we call the destruction of higher education. Uh, really is an attack on on what our uh, professors and faculty at higher education institutes can say and do in their classrooms and limits their ability to have a voice in what's happening on campus by by taking away their ability to strike. Uh, and, and just a lot of onerous things in it in terms of uh, – diversity, equity, inclusion trainings, um, requiring professors to post all their syllabus online, uh, just things that take up a lot of time for professors, uh, but actually add nothing to the educational context. So it's a huge, huge overreach into higher education to really, uh, I think, uh, go a long ways towards making our campuses unsafe and uh, unwelcoming for any kind of diversity. So it's, um, it's what we see happening in Florida. It's what we see happening in Texas. And again, it's our legislature is trying to bring those kind of onerous bills to Ohio. Yeah. Keep them in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that's, please. That's sort of, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, uh, Keep them in Florida. And, and again, you, know, you said that they're trying to water it down. Again, we're, we're living in this context, uh, well, I'd say, you know, uh, Ohio, where it's not quite as bad as it could be, but we're we're always we're always trying to take something, one of these really really horrible bills, and uh, make them just a little bit less horrible, and that's just not acceptable. And I think that's what we need to keep telling Senator Serino, who's the sponsor of this bill, is we don't want a watered down version of this because a watered down version of this is still really bad. We want it yeah. to just go away. Yeah, wasn't there a component that uh, professors could not go on strike? Is that still part of that? Correct. Yeah, originally it was no employee on a public institution campus could go on strike. So that impacted about 27 different unions, which, of course, got the union, the labor community really fired up. And um, I think that's one of the ways they're trying to water it down. They're like, oh, okay, no, everyone else can go on strike on campus, but professors still can't. Uh, that's still not acceptable. Uh, and I, I think they think that the labor community will back off because it only impacts one group of people now, and that's not going to happen. Labor sticks together. Unions stick together. Attack on one is an attack on all. Um, and it's interesting, you know, when I testified, uh, <laughs> Representative Young, who used to be chair of that committee but has now gotten himself into a lot of trouble, <laughs> but he, he had this back and forth with me about this isn't an attack. There's nowhere in this bill that says it's an attack. So you don't have to call something an attack for it to be an attack. When, you, when you're taking away someone's ability to strike, that's an attack, and it's an attack on all of labor, not just on our professors. Amen to that. One more issue here. Beware of the word freedom especially when it says Freedom Foundation. And uh, there's so many groups out there that they do that on purpose to make it look like they're mom and apple pie. But what's, what's, a, what's this attack from the Freedom Foundation all about, Melissa? 
Well, you know, I usually don't like to talk about the Freedom Foundation because I don't like to waste my breath and give them any more airspace than they deserve. But this latest attack they've done with our members on our members is just really, really egregious and outrageous and I think illegal. Um, so just for a little context, Freedom Foundation is a well-funded well-oiled machine that tries to uh, separate union member get to get people to drop out of their union and it must be very disappointing to them that they've spent an unreal amount of money mailing people all the time and have had very little success but uh, this past week our members got something in the mail and not just our members I don't know where they got their list from because we have people calling us who've never been member member of a union saying where this come from but they mailed something that from Melissa Cropper President of Ohio Federation of Teachers and has our address on it and calls it a credit due statement and says your dues from for the rest of this year, your dues from next year. Um, in order to get these, sign the form below and you'll get a check back from OFT. Um, and then the form that you sign is actually a drop form. Um, so it's incredibly deceptive. Um, and we've, our phone is ringing off the hook from people saying, you know, what is this? I don't understand what this is. Uh, so we've notified all our members that this is a scam. Um, but again, we've got people who have never even been a part of the union who are calling us asking where this comes from. But let this be a warning to everybody that these groups that are out there are fraudulent and deceptive and I can't even put enough bad words on them. They are, they are using every tactic that they accuse unions of, that unions don't do, uh, but they're using every tactic they possibly can to try to take down unions. And we need to be more uh, more vigilant than ever in noticing these attacks and putting in a stop to these attacks. So they put your name on this, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, like the members, and the members, and the, and the whole reference here is that, hey, whatever you paid for union dues, you can you'll get it all. All back, courtesy of Melissa right. Melissa Cropper. This is crazy. Right. This is absolutely right. crazy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. All uh, right. We're, we're we're looking into because, uh, like I said, it is it is so deceptive to make it look like it came from me, um, and it's not just our union. Other union, we've heard from other unions that they're getting it also. So this is out there across the state, and I'll just say to anybody who happens to be happens if you happen to have received this in the mail. Um, I'd say take a picture of it and save it and send it to your union uh, so that we have a record of it and then rip it up and throw it in the garbage because that's all it is, a bunch of garbage. Yeah. To me, it's borderline illegal for what they're doing. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure it's borderline. I think it is illegal. We'll find out. Yeah, yeah we'll find out soon <laughs> enough, I guess. Yeah. yeah, It's amazing. Tax on unions always continuing, no doubt about that. All right, Melissa, great job. I'll let you get back to your organizing seminar. Melissa Cropper, president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org. You take care. We'll talk next month, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, quick break. Jimmy Williams, Jr., president of the Painters and Allied Trades, coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Liuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Liuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running 
at liuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to a line number two. Welcome a dear friend, Jimmy Williams Jr., who is general president of a giant union, the Painters and Allied Trades. Website is iupat.org. And if you've been listening to the shows for the last maybe uh, seven to ten days, we've been doing a lot on suicide prevention for good reason, because September is Suicide Prevention Month, and last week was Suicide Prevention Week. And uh, the Painters and Allied Trades is one of many unions is trying to uh, confront this issue. Jimmy, welcome uh, back to America's Workforce. And um, I understand that when you took over, what was it, two years ago as general president, you pretty much uh, zeroed in on this issue and made a hire. Can you uh, can you speak to that? Yeah, you know, Flash. First off, thank you for raising awareness to this issue that we have in our workforce. And and yes, um, you know, it was something that was really really important to me in our union, especially in the construction trades. We we suffer from too many people that you know um, have either taken their lives because of suicide or have suffered from addiction. And, and I really want to, you know, thank you for raising the awareness to, to the issue. Um, so yeah, in our union, we have a program called the helping hands program, which is designed to take away the stigma that exists in today's workforce for people that suffer from either mental health issues or, struggle with addiction and they're both interrelated. So in our union, we hired what is, I believe the only um, full-time employee assistance program um, professional in the building trade. His name is Chris Scheiblon and, and Chris runs our international program called helping hands, which is designed to, to, you know, help our members through these issues, which in the construction industry, our, our members are more prone to suicide, mental health issues, and addiction issues, and they're all interrelated. Mm-hmm. Did this really flare up during the pandemic, in your opinion, Jimmy? Well, I think it's something that has been going on in our industry for years, but I think the pandemic really just, like, you know, kind of put things 
on steroids, so to speak. I mean, like our our membership, at least as long as I've been a member, I joined the union 26 years ago, and yeah. in my in in my apprenticeship program back in the mid 90s, there was only 25 of us that joined our our industry, and today. I lost six of, of my brothers to either suicide or overdose. And, wow. you know, it's something that's been, been happening in our industry, but I think the pandemic just raised, you know, a, a bigger, you know, spectrum, a bigger, bigger issue for, for people that suffer with, with these issues. Yeah. You know, Jimmy, from so many guests that we've had on the show, one of the big problems, you mentioned construction, and obviously you're, the painters are part of that that uh, field the uh, there's the stigma of mental health and you got this um, attitude among many workers to not say anything about it not you know because maybe they're embarrassed I, I don't know the situation on that but uh, it, it's important that they speak up and realize you know what there's help I mean the, the best line is it's it's okay not to be okay I've heard that throughout the conversations that we've uh, had here on America's workforce can you uh, can you get into that? I mean, I think it's important that uh, that people know that it is okay not to be okay. Yeah, well, the stigma is real for whatever reason, and I think in the construction industry because it used to be such a masculine industry, right? It was such a male dominated industry. It was something mm-hmm. that, like, you know, most people could say, "Hey, I go to work, I work for eight hours, I come home." I pay my bills, you know, I have a family, I, I, you know, I take care of my family, I do whatever I do. But the truth is, in this economy, construction workers are barely making it by. And, you know, the truth of trying to go to work every day and make that middle class lifestyle, I think I think it has a toll, it takes a toll on people when they're struggling even to just pay their bills, their car payments, their insurances, their, their mortgage. And, you know, people have a have a tendency to to fall into a deep mental health issue, whether it be depression, drugs, alcohol, you know, and in today's economy, it's really hard to make it if you're a working person. And it's even harder when when society looks at the man as the person who has to provide for for his family. And, and, and I've seen people just struggle with that. So this individual that you hired two years ago, right off the bat, can you see some, uh, some results here? What, what have you laid out for your members so far, Jimmy? Well, we believe, we really believe that as a union, we have to represent our members both on the work site and out of the work site. So our hope and our promise to our members is if we can help connect you with the services that are going to help you through any sort of hard portion of your life, whether it be, you know, just struggling with depression or if you're also struggling with addiction or any sort of, you know, substance abuse issues, that the first person you feel comfortable talking to is your union rep. Because we believe that a union represents people both at home and in the workplace. So what we've done is we've tried to connect our members with the services that are, 
that are really, truly going to help them. Look, our members have an advantage over most people. They're a part of health and welfare programs that provide great health benefits. Right. Within our union, employee assistance work also comes through their health and welfare benefits. So our, our employee assistance manager connects people to the services that are going to help them when they're struggling the most. I would imagine there's some that are afraid. I know there's that line out there, 988, suicide line, in case somebody is struggling. But probably there's some people that don't want to do that because they don't know the other person on the other line, although they're well-trained and all that. But isn't it better to have that, that human contact? Yeah, we believe that if you know your union rep, if you know the person that is there for you, when you're in that time of crisis, you're going to reach out to them. And that's why most of our programs are designed to help people connect to services that are right in their community, not calling some, you know, 988 or 1-800 hotline, but actually connect people in that moment of crisis to somebody who can help them. You know, a statistic, came up in the show yesterday when we were talking with the Teamsters. When somebody decides to end his or her life, you have very little time to help that person. In many cases, it's 10 minutes. In 10 minutes' time, that person's life could be gone. So those resources are so darn important. Well, Jimmy, I appreciate what you've done here. Do me a favor. This uh, individual that you hired, Chris, did what did you call it? What's his last name? Shy Bomb? What's his last name again? Yeah, you got it. Close enough. Okay. Close enough. <laughs> Would you be so kind to pass on Chris's information so we could put him on the show and talk more about this? Because it's so prevalent, as you pointed out, in the trades. We want to make sure that uh, everybody knows what's out there so they can get the help that they need. Can we do that? Yeah, for sure, Flash. Okay, really good. Painters and Allied Trades, you're doing okay all together? Aside from the issue we're talking about? Hey, this issue, I I just want to say, you know, before we close out, Flash, thank you for raising this issue like you did because it's something that people don't talk about enough. And there's too much Mm -hmm. of a stigma behind helping people in their moment of crisis. And I, and I really appreciate the work you're doing around this. Well, thank you for the compliments, Jimmy. And we'll wrap it up by driving people to the website. That's IUPAT.org. That's the national website for the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. IUPAT.org. Jimmy, you take care and uh, pass on that uh, information. Okay, brother? Yep. Thanks. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the transport workers at Southwest and the Bricklayers Union. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.